to another episode of Back of the Grid, here to preview the British Grand Prix this week. I am your host, Tom King, and I am joined, as always, by Chris Evans. Hello, hello. And Stu Greenwood. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Three, three hellos there, Chris. <laughs> Can you tell that there's some slight excitement because of the racing question? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I sense an eagerness between all three of us to just be there now. Pretty much. I'm already <laughs> counting down the days this week. I'm I'm excited to be there. Being there right now wouldn't be that fun, I don't think. But in a week's time, it'll be epic. Could watch some tarmacking if you were there right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know what? I'd happily watch that right now. <laughs> you literally, you will watch anything at a racetrack. Yep, I will watch anything going on at a. You racetrack. have said to me as well, Stu, on many occasions that you will watch anything going around a track. I will. I watch anything going around a track, but I think I draw the line at like tarmac machines. <laughs> I'm intrigued by how the tarmac are circuit. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's Silverstone weekend coming up. <laughs> I guess we could start with a little bit of speculation, which is um, a deal between FOM and the BRDC over Silverstone being renewed contractually should be with us sometime this week. But it is pure speculation. I've <laughs> yeah. not seen any like hard evidence of this. Um, it could have come off the back of some other announcements we'll probably talk about in a second. But can you see it being dropped? Can you really see them not renewing it? They'd be mad to. They'd be absolutely yeah. mad to let that race disappear. I mean, it's it's one of, if not the best attended race on the calendar for sure. Like most, True. the majority of F1 teams are based within a 10-minute drive of the place. Like, I don't know. It, it'd be crazy. To lose. I mean, obviously we're going to say that because we're from this country and it's the race we go to the most, whatever. But it does just have that much history. Like, yeah, it'd be crazy to lose that from the calendar. Yeah, I, my sentiments exactly. I, uh, they'd be bonkers. To I mean, the, the head office is based in the UK. You can't have the yeah. the, the, the the racing series be- based in the country and not have a race there, can you? That'd just be mm. bizarre. So yeah, the alternative is probably what Donington, and is that up to the same standard as Silverstone? Well, they tried once, didn't they? Yeah, yeah it's they not at the moment. That's for sure. It's not grade grade a or whatever they call it is it the, no, the grading system so. it's, it's not high enough graded anyway even if grade tilka <laughs> yeah it's not grade tilka it's got it's got some nice elevation that would be pretty cool to see that whole dip into like turn three and then up the hill on the other side yeah but yeah it's a fun yeah, track it definitely needs some changes before it'd work for f1 um, you've so. just actually inspired me to to uh, go on my new my my new new sim rig after this <laughs> and uh, Do drive Donington, Donington on on project cars. It, yeah, yeah, that is, is literally my favorite track. That's my next oh, no. stop after podcasting tonight. Yeah, very <laughs> good. Excuse me, rattling through the evening. podcast now. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, come on, prediction <laughs> time. Let's go. <laughs> um, this actual topic does sort of bring up a, a little bit of a question i guess or some speculation we had from amy prince which was uh, do you actually think that silverstone will disappear from the calendar and instead of silverstone there may be a street circuit somewhere in great britain Ooh, i um, 
I'm ha- I'm more than happy to say that there will never be an F1 street circuit in London. It will never no. happen. Maybe they'll do it in Tolworth instead. <laughs> Formula One Grand Prix of Tolworth. They'd no, still call it London and all the opening shots would be like Tower yeah. Bridge and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Except quietly move <laughs> half an hour up the road. The, the race could be like somewhere in Manchester and they'd yeah. still show Big Ben. As yeah, a, they probably as an would. Opening they, shot. That's the crazy thing. They actually probably would. <laughs> Um, I mean, geography for those outside the UK. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, don't know how much sense that made to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tolworth's a pretty deep cut, as it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, Formula E tried it, and they well initially had to resort to being in a park, and now the new track is going to be in and around a convention center. Like neither of them are really street tracks anyway. It's just not a practical city for it whatsoever. Yeah, the road infrastructure has been modified that much that there's yeah. not really the opportunity to stick a Formula One car around it in a race sense, is there? No. But then to play devil's advocate, as I love to do, uh wouldn't it be great though to see them actually racing through the streets oh, of yeah. London? Oh if brilliant, they, yeah. If they could go like over one of the bridges or if they could race like I don't know, like past uh, through the down the uh, what what's it called the Red Road that down the Mall. That's Palace. the obvious place, the Mall, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's my uh, British geography fail <laughs> for you straight away, um, or like you know through those archways as well at the end of the Mall. Um, yeah, into the Strand. Like that would be amazing to see cars going down there. And like it's, I think it is a, just about doable if they can do it in Monaco. Where the streets well, are yeah. ridiculously and, and Singapore and... as well. You know, Singapore's surrounded by these architectural landmarks that literally come right to the curbside. Yeah, and they're like right on the circuit because there's one of the corners where if you went too hard through the barriers, you're like in the doors of one of the parliamentary buildings, aren't you? So, <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty on the edge. So, I think man. I guess it's possible, but. I think it'd cause that much aggravation that they wouldn't see it as being worth it. Plus, is my is the drawback to it. I think the other thing with London is there's so much street furniture, like bits of yeah. central reservation and crossings, and yeah. right, like you'd have to flatten all of that. And I think in places like Monaco and Singapore, they've basically replaced all of that stuff with things that can just easily be taken out and put back in afterwards, but. The thing there, though, the, my argument against that would be you only have to do that once. It's you true. You have to do that every. You only have to, you know, once you've got it set up to do it. It's it's yeah. a, it's, it's a mighty civil engineering project, it, uh, and a really, probably a really interesting one for someone to get their teeth into. But but I guess you know, it's doable. It is totally doable. I think. I guess the difference is like they did that in uh, Singapore. Originally, only had like a three or four year contract, I think, and they went ahead and yeah. did it. Whereas, like, imagine them suggesting doing that in london like there'd be there'd be a lot of it's gonna cost you that's that's, that'll be an expensive job and they'd have to have a committee and there'd be petitions and then like 15 years later they'd just about make a start on it i i I don't know maybe i'm cynical because i live here but i just can't see it happening (laughs) yeah i've seen how long it takes them to fill a pothole here let alone well, modify yeah, a whole true. city for a racetrack. I've, I've driven these roads, and they're not—they're not the best roads. I've got to say, a lot of speed bumps, a lot of speed yeah. bumps, a bit of a car kill. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's another sort of thing you've got to factor in, isn't it? How many of the streets that you potentially want to use, sort of, even if it's not the street <laughs> itself, like other roads nearby, are sort of hindered by that 
You need a lot of downforce out of this. If if <laughs> anyone out there is listening who is from London, what would be amazing to get from you guys if is if you could do a Google Maps of your favourite potential street circuits in London. That's a great idea. I've done I'd that before, love, actually. I'd love to see yeah. what people come up with for that because it's it's such a it, there's so many roads. It's an absolute playground. You could go to town. Um, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, send some in and we'll stick them on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Yeah, where yeah. else? Where else could they do a, a British Grand Prix other than Silverstone and there Donington? Was, there was talk about a Birmingham street track at one point. Yeah. But, well, they, they had the Birmingham <laughs> Grand Prix many years ago, didn't yeah, they? I they think did. it was like a non-championship event or something. Um, I mean, it was a pretty bobbins track. It was just kind of round a bit of ring road and the yeah. pit lane was a used car garage. <laughs> See, I, th- I think the only other track that's anywhere near being, I think, the right standards and that still need work is probably somewhere like Brands Hatch. But yeah, Brands is just nowhere near enough runoff, is there, for these cars? No, and that that's its problem, I think, which is why it wouldn't be considered, like, as much as they take other series there, I don't think there'd be enough that they could do to make it suitable for F1. But I do think that that start-finish sort of sector... It reminds me quite a lot of um, the final part of Brazil where it sort of, it kind of goes uphill and banks a little and then dips back down on the other side. And it's got Mm. that, it's very reminiscent for me of those sort of two strips of start, finish straight, I guess. It's a a British Sao Paulo. Yeah. (laughs) In more ways than one. (laughs) (laughs) There was also talk a few years ago of, um, well, there were were designs for the Circus of Wales, which are supposed to be, building it was down sort of near Abergavenny in south wales um and yeah they literally had like this is the site we're building it and here is the the map it was going to be a grade a circuit and obviously as often happens with these things it just all went very quiet afterwards yeah yeah mm-hmm. don't think anything's ever going to happen with that but in conclusion yeah. silverson just makes sense let's just stay there <laughs> just leave it as it is yeah um, moving on to things that are actually confirmed for the future of <laughs> Formula One, uh, next season's opener will definitely be Australia. Um, it's got provisional dates for the moment of the 13th to the 15th of March, but basically they've confirmed that it will open the season next year. Um, and uh, I believe tickets are now going on sale um, for, yeah. for those provisional dates. So if you are interested in heading to Melbourne, then <laughs> check it out. I think it's about... Am I right in saying it's 25 years since the first Melbourne race now? Ooh. Or we're getting some... Or is it a bit more than that now? I'm not sure, wow. to be honest. Yeah, I, I, want, could, I want to say I it was in the mid-90s, but I'm I'm spitballing numbers now. So I, if was, you can correct me, feel free. <laughs> Anyone I definitely out remember Someone driving <laughs> it on the F1 98 game. So it's been at least since 98. <laughs> are we talking Good. about at Albert Park or are we talking yeah. Australia? No, no... I, there's plenty more than just Melbourne for Australia. Yeah, it's been a bunch of places, hasn't specifically it? Specifically there. I'll, I'll um, let, let me, you carry on. I'll, I'll okay, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on. Um, so, yeah, it's good to get at least some things in place. And I think that's part of what sparked these whole discussions of what's staying on the calendar and what's going, because we've got uh, the Vietnamese GP and the Dutch GP both being added to the calendar next year. Of course, year. yeah. And then you've got, it's either four or five that are basically out of contract at the end of this year, which is Britain, Spain, Germany, and Italy. There might be another one in there somewhere. Definitely those ones. There might be one more, yeah. 
Um, so it's it's about is anything being dropped to keep the calendar at the number of races we're currently at? I think or, something has to be, added, isn't it? Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there with calendar information. Yup. Yeah. Uh, moving on to sort of updates and stuff like that for teams. Um, after some decent success after the update in France, uh, Honda are apparently now trying to work on bringing a quali mode to the engine as part of any further updates that they make. Um, there's no sort of targeted time frame on this, but it's essentially a case of um, Toyoharu Tanabe uh, from Honda basically saying, we know that qualifying is now where we're furthest behind, uh, saying we're, we're happy that we're closing the gap on race pace, even if we're still not as close as we want to be, but we need to improve qualifying further, and they want to be able to try and get that huge hit of one lap pace out of the engine. So promising signs, really for them going forward. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, it's just so good to see. And we've, we've said it a bunch of times, like they're clearly now with Red Bull, there's just a much better environment to work together to push the whole project forward. And it is really good to see them finally coming good. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they maybe maybe start trying to put uh, an actual time frame on that as to when we might see it. Yeah, or definitely. if they're just going to turn up one weekend and surprise us. <laughs> um I don't know which I prefer. <laughs> I don't know if I prefer to ex- expect something and see it coming or just be completely caught blindsided by a ridiculously quick one lap. Yeah, just, just one week they turn up and lock out the front row by like half a second. It's like, oh, they've got the quality mode then. <laughs> <laughs> Along with other upgrades, uh, Alpha are also upgrading over the next few races and looking at to target McLaren. So they're bringing a multitude of upgrades over the next three races. They've said to expect things from Silverstone, Hockenheim, and Hung- uh, the Hungara Ring if all goes to plan. But yeah, targeting McLaren's a fairly big goal, isn't it, at the yeah, minute, just, realistically? We're just stepping straight over uh, Renault and everyone else in between. Yeah. Straight well, McLaren. I- I guess Alphas were pretty close to the McLarens by the end of the race. Yeah, true, actually. Weren't they? So, And they finally got the first double points finish of the season last time. Yeah, they've kind of yo-yoed a bit this year, haven't they? Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where these um, updates put them. Do you think, realistically, they can challenge McLaren at all? uh... So far, it doesn't look like it, but then... When you're behind, there's always a lot. It's always a lot easier to make up ground, isn't it? Like there's a lot more gains you can find. So it'd be, it'd be good to see that battle in the middle stay tight. Like as much as we want to see McLaren do well, we don't want them to form another no man's land between Red Bull and the rest of the pack. It'd be good to see yeah. the rest of the pack kind of keeping up with them. The only yeah. way Alfa Romeo are catching up McLaren in the space of a race is if they suddenly have a Ferrari at the next race. <laughs> yeah, I don't think with them bringing upgrades over three races, they're expecting it to just suddenly happen. But They'd have to be pretty monster upgrades, wouldn't they, to, for, yeah, to make yeah. up the gap that they've got. Um, in answer to the uh, the little thing earlier, Albert Park, I think it's, it must be their 20th. Uh, okay. um, 1990, oh no, 1996 was the first one. It's been every year since then. So 20th, uh-huh. 25th, it will be the 25th. Quick maths. Yeah, so I think that over a few races, sort of Hockenheim, Hungara Ring kind of time is when we see other teams updating as well. So 
them saying they're bringing upgrades and targeting a certain level of performance increase, it all depends on what everyone else is doing around them because other teams tend to start bolting stuff on at Silverstone and then taking stuff across to Hockenheim and so on because it's they're quite close together in terms of the races, you know, in terms of the calendar. Yeah. And obviously Silverstone, like we've already said, he's on a lot of teams' doorsteps. So we tend to find that they'll bring stuff to Silverstone for that very reason because he's not got to travel thousands exactly, of yeah. miles to get it on the car on track so yeah i do wonder how mm. different the cars like they must have had upgrades like because every, every obviously at this point in the season everyone's got stuff in the works and there's bits and bobs showing up at every mm. race now i wonder how different the cars will look from austria compared to uh, yeah so especially with the summer break looming large at this point yeah and that midfield pack being so close together like whatever you can bring yeah. to a car to gain an advantage on the other cars then you know, you're going to throw it on as quick as you can, aren't you? Yeah, none of them can really afford to miss a beat. Like, they've got to be really honest if they want to. Like, it, it makes, uh, traditionally, kind of the more midfield teams and back teams tend to uh, stop developing a season and work on the next season a little earlier than the front runners. And I do wonder this year how much some of them might just stick with this season longer to absolutely maximise uh, points and prize mm. money this year while they have yeah. a chance. It's it's one of those seasons that's a real pain in the ass for um, it really is for teams, isn't it? When it's when it's as close as it, as it is, and with such a difference between the points giving positions financially at the end of the season, it really is worth it to put that extra. Um, well, it makes it a really really difficult decision on on whether to mm. put that extra development into the car and not, you know. Whether if you don't push, you might miss out on a position, but you might do even better next season. So where's the balance? Yeah, you know, for each exactly. and it, for each team, it's a moving goalpost, isn't it? Because everyone's in a different position. Yeah. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Well, that actually segues quite nicely into a couple of bits of McLaren news that that came from the last week. Which is, uh, I'll go into this one first, flipping it around a bit because of just what we've been talking about. But uh, Andreas Seidel's basically said this week that. Work for 2020 is already well underway for McLaren, uh, but they're also actually contemplating now when to make that their sole focus and actually stop bringing the updates to the 2019 car. Um, And from the way it was worded originally, I think that could happen maybe sooner rather than later because it it was sort of worded as, despite Carlos and Lando's current form, we may start solely focusing next year's cars sooner than some people think. Now, maybe that's hubris in the <laughs> current car they've got and, and how you know how much of a gap they've eked out so far that they, they feel more comfortable in not developing this year's car as, as much. Um, but could it also tie with the other piece of news, which is the fact that Pat Fry has left the team this week um, and let, he was... I can't remember his official role. It was like a technical director or engineering director, something to that effect, wasn't um, it? Engineering director, yeah. Yeah. So could it also tie into that, that he's leaving the team and going on gardening leave, that um, maybe that will trigger a much more solid focus on next year's car because he's now not there to be privy to things mm. um, when leaving the team? I think maybe the most likely thing is to do with if they can get a big enough gap to the midfield behind, 
there's a yeah. there's a harsh reality here that they're probably not going to be able to beat Red Bull or Ferrari or Mercedes, no. um, probably. Um, <laughs> so, is there any? There comes a point where there's no point developing this car anymore because it's already at the point where you've maxed it out and you've you've beat the guys behind you. If you like, you mentioned the no man's land a second ago. If you're king of the no man's land, then you move on, don't you? You move on to yeah to try and become king of the king of the hill. <laughs> yeah, I think I think their results in these next two or three races before the summer break will probably go a long way in dictating that. Like right now, they've got a twenty point lead over Renault. If they can stretch that to thirty, forty, maybe even more points in the next couple of races, then at that point they're kind of guaranteeing themselves maybe sixth at the very worst. For if even if they stop for the rest of the season, because um, mm. that would already be like m- mean other teams more than doubling their points in the second half of the season. Yeah, so, and plus, um, like, there's other, another factor in this is if a lot of obviously it's still an aero formula, so a lot of the work that's going on next season car is going to be aero. If you know, there, there will be things from research and from running this car that obviously have an effect on next season's car. So by working that way, like surely the things that they're working on next year's car for will maybe translate back to this car anyway. So if they did find themselves like suddenly getting caught up a little bit, they could maybe take a couple of clever bits off of that and then try and bolt them onto the, onto this season's car to to just give them that edge back. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Unless you're completely like redesigning the philosophy of the car. there's definite logic in being able to transfer some of those bits, providing the legal under current regs and, mm. yeah, totally. and stuff like that. I reckon McLaren would be mental to change the philosophy of their car at this stage. In this, given given that they've got such a such an advantage over the midfield at the moment, it'd be a bad idea, I'd say, given it's an yeah. evolutionary kind of period in Formula One rather than a revolutionary period. So it makes much more sense to, you know, just stick with this philosophy, maybe throw a few bits on it if you need to. And then once you've got a strong enough advantage, just sack off this year's car and see if you can eat into the guys ahead next year. Yeah, totally. Like while, while it's working for them, build on that is, yeah. yeah, should surely be the ethos. Um, there were some slight rumours attached to the Pat Fry departure as well, uh, just while we're on it, uh, that he could be heading to Williams to replace Paddy Lowe, who's, obviously been gone a little while now because they've settled issues they had with Paddy at Williams um, and yeah the rumours are that once his McLaren gardening leave is done that Pat Fry could be heading that way but no comment or confirmation yeah. from Williams <laughs> does, obviously at this point. Does anyone know like what ha- what has happened with Pat Fry? Not Pat Fry with Paddy Lowe sorry um, With no. Paddy Lowe it's been very very quiet um, Yeah was it not one of those like mutual agreement type things, which normally means one or the other didn't want to be there, so they said mutual agreement because it looked Agreed better to disagree, on the kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pat, I know Pat Fry was only on a short-term contract yes. anyway because they were kind of filling a gap before James Key could join from uh, Toro Rosso. Yeah, um, he started March, didn't he? He basically started the beginning of this season yeah. officially, so. I'm guessing he's now fully up and running and, and well into working on next year's exactly, car yeah. as well as this year's car and 
that's where this has come from. The way some of the Pat Fry stuff was worded sounded more like he'd chosen to leave rather than yeah. he'd been asked yeah. to leave, which I it, thought that. it might be more that he sees it as, you know, the the team is going one way with James Key and I can see that I'm not a long-term part of that, so I would rather exactly, just yeah. step away now and be able to be open for another team for the next season, I guess. Maybe is a logic behind it, yeah. if that's the case. But yeah, nothing for certain. Yeah, it's fairly fresh news, I guess. Came out of the weekend, I think, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And then in other motorsporting news for the upcoming weekend, uh, we have the finale of the Formula E season. Uh, it's a double header in New York, so there are two races over the weekend. Um, it's very much John John Eric Verne's championship to lose at the minute, as he has a thirty-two point lead uh, over Degrassi. And then Mitch Evans is a further 11 points behind him. Uh, I think they're the only three left mathematically in the running now, aren't they? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but with it being a double-headed race, there is a potential 58 points on offer if someone can basically clean sweep the weekend, uh, which means points for pole, points for fastest lap, and then winning both races as well. So it would be interesting to see if somebody achieved yeah. that. Um, but it all depends on where Jeb finishes, I guess, doesn't it? As yeah. to whether that is even relevant at the time. And he has been very good this year, arguably even better than his first title last year, actually. Yeah, he's had a solid sort of back end of the season, realistically. Yeah. Hasn't he? That's that's what's been key for him. I think. Yeah, there was that initial eight, what was it, eight wins in the first eight races, wasn't he? He's able to do yeah. the F1 record by one. But then since then, he's just been, if not winning races, consistently up there. Yeah. I said to you at the weekend, Stu, it's going to be weird to see someone winning a second Formula E title because it's never happened. It, that we've had a new... Yeah, I was thinking that. Well, in theory, if it's Degrassi or Verne, it's a yeah. second title winner. The only person mathematically, as far as I know, that's in it is Mitch Evans. Yeah, so it'd yeah. be his first, but he's a long way back I'd say now. That's like very unlikely. Yeah. You never he'd... know. It's Formula E, though, man. You never Formula know. E is pretty mad sometimes. Like, it's bonkers. It, Essentially, he needs to win both races and hope that Vern doesn't finish yeah. or finishes outside the points or very low in the points. Mm. You know, it's, that that's what Mitch Evans is hoping for. Could but happen. It could totally happen. It, it would be cool to see another first-time Formula E champion, yeah, especially sure. one like Mitch Evans, because I feel like he's had a bit of a hard done by kind of career. Like he was so close to getting an F one seat at one point, and I remember him being really really promising in things like gp3 and i remember sitting and watching him in series like that and thinking get this kid close to an f1 seat and see what he can do and it just never quite came around for him and i was really glad to see that he ended up in formula e when he did to to kind of keep his career on track for want of a better phrase (laughs) here's a train of thought for you Mm -hmm. um with red bull uh looking for drivers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, will yeah. we see will we see the first graduation from formula e to formula one via red bull quite possibly mm, well maybe. wasn't mitch evans didn't like mark webber kind of help him for his early career yeah mark webber was i don't think he was ever like officially a manager or anything like that but no but he was sort he, of he like fully endorsed him and was, he was the one that was always like saying you know keep your eye on this kid and yeah and helping him through sort of gp3 and gp2 and getting him in like sort of helping him train for like race mode i guess you'd probably call it like the training yeah. that they go through physically and mentally so Mark Webber was like one of his biggest patrons by far, but yeah. 
I don't think he was ever involved like in an official capacity or anything like that. Be good to see. Um, Definitely. I wonder how I mean, long it'll take. That's that's like just just hanging on that thread yeah. for a second. Like, yeah, it, it's I, interesting because at the minute it tends to be the other way, doesn't it? It tends to be if you don't quite get to F one <laughs> or if, such a if damning workout for you. It, no, but it's Where true. Though, the one drivers go to die. <laughs> it, but think about think about the title winners and the race winners in Formula E. So many of them, specifically speaking, are Red Bull dropouts or yeah. people that Red Bull have dropped. Like. Well, yeah. it's where it's where a lot of those drivers end up. When they go to pasture, definitely like two, that's two of them just uh, off the top of my head. Who else? Felix da Costa. Yeah, he's another one. Um, there's a, I'm sure there's somebody else that's been decent in FE that was a Red Bull driver. Wasn't, wasn't Mitch Evans like? Doesn't Mitch Evans have some Red Bull affiliation? He may have done in the past. I don't know if he's ever been properly associated with them. I think the closest he came was being very close to. Weber during Weber's time at Red Bull. I think that's it, really. I don't think he's ever again officially been part of it. But yeah, it's it's interesting that like people end up going that way. Like Van Dorn's another one that's gone that way. Yeah. So Naz has done a few races. Yeah, Alex Lynn. Um, Like so many. I really do hope someone can come the other way. I guess even Gary Paffitt's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nelson Piquet Jr. Yep. <laughs> we yeah, we need to stop naming F1 drivers that are either <laughs> Bru- in or have Bruno been in Senna, FE. Bruno Senna. He he yep. was in a Formula yeah. E for a while. Yeah. I um, would argue that the, in terms of moving the other way from Formula E to Formula One, it's mad that Rosenquist was never picked up by a Formula One team. Yes, I just I agree. don't know here how he went on that radar. His F1's loss is very much IndyCar's game with him. I think. Do you know what? He was one of the ones that I thought, going back to Stu's point of, do you think anyone could ever kind of graduate up from Formula E to F1? He's probably one of the ones that I first kind of thought, try this kid in an F1 car and then yeah, try and push too. him towards it. Um, from an FE perspective anyway, he was one of the first. So it's a shame that he went the way that he did. But like you say, it's IndyCar's gain over F1s. So, and he's been doing... Decent in IndyCar. Pretty good, Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so I have another question, and I can almost feel the audience screaming for me to ask this question. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Who will be the next Formula One driver to graduate into Formula E? Ooh. Oof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gasly? Oh, that's not a bad shout. He's a Red Bull driver as well. It so is, it, yeah. It yeah. fits the form. It's on brand. <laughs> Um, or maybe a Grosjean. I could see Grosjean in Formula E. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few. Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll could end up in Formula E quite easily. I, mean, yeah. well, I don't know. I don't know if they'd have him. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I move away from that? Before yeah. <laughs> before we offend anyone. Yeah. I mean, it's too late now. But one more Formula E stat I wanted to drop in. There's also. It's also looking extremely likely that this is going to be the first time the drivers' champion and the constructors' champion are of the same team. That's also never happened before. But it's oh, yeah. to cheat to have mm. as well. Actually, no, that they've got a decent lead, but Audi could still technically catch them. Um, but yeah, it's looking likely that happen as well. 
Mm. Formula E these days is boring. It's just all processional, isn't it? Same guys winning all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, dull. Never, nothing ever happens in a Formula E race, does it? <laughs> and they're so slow as well. Ugh, boring. <laughs> I will move us on now. <laughs> yes. Storylines for the British GP, gentlemen. Um, first up, can Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes specifically as well bounce back for Lewis to actually take a win at home for a record-breaking sixth time? I mean, yes. yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be, oh, we've obviously not got predictions yet, but I think you would be mad to say anyone other than Lewis Hamilton at Silverstone. Yeah. Yeah. I'd... But we'll see what we think when we get to predictions, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll yeah, see I in suppose, a minute, I yeah, guess. Yeah, um, yeah and, but don't, don't discount Valtteri Bottas as well. Bottas was handily outdid uh, Hamilton at the weekend, just gone, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think Mercedes in general will... They'll bounce back. Prevail. I think. I think yeah. they'll bounce back. I think it was this a track bit. should suit them really well. And yeah, they were in a very specific situation that was bad for them last time out, which was not only the intense heat of the heat wave there, but also the fact that at that altitude there was far less air for cooling, and it was just it's their Achilles' heel. We've seen it, but as warm as it will get, or potentially get at Silverstone there's always a strong wind flowing across that circuit with it being an airfield. So I don't think they'd have anywhere near as much cooling issue, even no. if the circuit is ridiculously warm. Yeah, no chance. Um, let's hope it's not ridiculously warm because I don't fancy having skin cancer on Monday morning. Let's hope it's also not raining and windy because I don't fancy oh. being blown away or drowned while I'm there. So let's just say somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Neutral. I actually haven't checked the weather this weekend yet. We should do that. We should definitely yeah, do that. Because <laughs> we're yeah. making predictions and we need clothing, yes. Yeah. Those two things are we key. We do need clothing. And predictions next, next predictions more so. <laughs> <laughs> predictions are more important than clothes, gentlemen. Prediction. You wouldn't think it from the scores, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, next storyline. Uh, can Red Bull and Max Verstappen make it two in a row? You you would think not, but it is going to be very interesting to see how that Red Bull goes there. There's a lot of high-speed corners, which is traditionally their stronger point. Mm-hmm. They've been decent the last couple of races. Um, I think this is going to kind of test how much that's genuine pace that they've got that they've found or whether it was just certain tracks in their car, I think. Mm. It, again, it depends on the weather as well. Um, yeah, I think they had a bit of a bit of a heat advantage, didn't they, this weekend? And looking at the weather, which I've got up in front of me, it looks relatively, I'd say, below average temperatures for the UK for a British Grand Prix. It's like twenty-one degrees on Saturday, twenty-two degrees on Sunday. So that's so not quite stressful for the cars, realistically. Then. Yeah, nothing yeah. they can't handle. You won't be putting extra vents or cooling on the car for that. So it yeah. points towards an absolute Mercedes domination, doesn't it? Yeah. That? But, Small yeah. chance of uh, light rain showers Friday and Saturday. But Can you tell this it. podcast is done from the UK? <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking about the weather. <laughs> literally, we're just doing the weather now. <laughs> do you think that he would be there to pick up the pieces if things went a little awry up front like last year we obviously saw Lewis spun and find his way back through the field so 
if something like that went on with a couple of front runners, do you think Max would be the one to pounce, or do you think it's more likely that it'd be the other Mercedes or the other Ferrari, depending on who's like involved mm. in the situation? First of all, you say spun, I say got punted. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. He was he was hit. That that was yeah. that was um, obvious, but. I feel like it's going to be another Mercedes and Ferrari show this weekend, to be honest. Yeah. I think just the nature of that yeah. track is going to be, that that gap's going to re- reappear is my expectation. Yeah, it is kind of, it's on Ferrari to, I'd say it's more on Ferrari than it is on Red Bull to to, to, to bridge the gap, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, Ferrari winning last year. I was just about to say, speaking of Ferrari, do we think that, their newfound pace from Australia, uh, I said Australia then, from hmm. Austria will continue to work out for them? Or do we think that they're still too far behind that Mercedes to make it count? It's another, was it the track or was it genuine gains thing, isn't it? It's always difficult to tell. I, I, I like the difference of jumping between a circuit such as Austria to a circuit like Silverstone. Yeah because they're very different from each other and it does help you work out like that whole McLaren conversation we've had for a few races of are they genuinely the best midfield team at the minute Mm. or was it track dependent? And I think this will help us work out if Ferrari have started to, I guess, regain that advantage that everyone wanted them to have at the start of the season or if it was just because of Mercedes' woes. Mm. I'm just finding it very hard to look past Mercedes for this weekend, honestly. I am too, but I think given Ferrari's recent sort of change in attitude towards the setup of the car and they're sort of they are looking in places that they haven't looked before, it feels like. And yeah. they are actually finding things that they didn't maybe know were there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if they can I think Look, Ferrari, their their Achilles heel this season and last season has been strategy. I think if they can if they can hook the car up, if they can find the setup this weekend, and if they can adopt the right strategy, they might just be able to nick a win. That's what I'll say. I'd 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 prefer to see a I'd prefer to see Lewis win it at home. To be honest, if especially given we're going to be there, but at the same time. For the championship, I wouldn't mind a Ferrari win either. So. No, at very least want a race of it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to see a. I mean, I say this all the time. I just want to see a race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of Brits, you were saying there a British winner at a British track is always nice. But how do we think the other Brits in Norris and Russell will cope under the spotlight of their first home race in F one? Mm-hmm. I just want to say I'm not holding your hand through these. <laughs> I'm not trying to segue you into everything. It's just it just No, I'm just taking advantage of that segues that occur. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not that. I'm just like, that's an opportunity. I'm taking it. It sounded really smooth as well until you mentioned absolutely it. Absolutely teeing I know, you them up did, for you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you, you're sorry. setting them up and I'm like taking them and then you just dismantle them out. Every, calling them out every time. It's, it's what we do best, calling out a segue. Back of the grid.com. <laughs> <laughs> Norris and Russell. Uh, Norris and Russell, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think they'll be fine. Like they both seem like such chill, mature guys, even though they're like 
children, essentially. God, I sound old, don't I? I sound really old right now. Oh, man. Peril to the man who calls Lando Norris a child, that's all I say. He's 19, for goodness sake. Uh, yeah, mate, I'll, I'll fight, fight him in the comments on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll absolutely you annihilate you. <laughs> oh, Lando, speak- Nor- Lando Norris could have you, Chris. He could totally yeah, have you on Twitter. I do not doubt it. Speaking of Lando, um, I was looking at the F1 Reddit today and someone had started a thread of, like, have you ever met any F1 drivers and what were they like in real life? And Lando Norris popped up and said, uh, I met uh, Danny Kvyat in China uh, and he crashed into my car. Savage. And it is actually him. He just pops up on Reddit occasionally and drops in a little comment. <laughs> there, was, a there was a really good one that was a response to an Instagram comment, uh, an Instagram picture, sorry. And I think it was from the official F1 account and it was... Um, it was basically like sort of joking about the fact that he makes a lot of memes and he replied on the comments that just basically said Lando Norris, Formula One driver, like F1 account, he should be a meme lord or whatever. And then Lando Norris, am I a joke to you? <laughs> yeah. And it was yeah, just like yeah. the best response to that absolute <laughs> classic. But I love seeing him pop up on Reddit and stuff. And he's, to things. he's fast becoming my favorite driver. Yeah, He's, We should let yeah, Lando brilliant. Norris take over the back of the grid um, social accounts one day. We, we should do we it. should you do allow job than us. We'll, uh, we should allow him to do that <laughs> yeah i'm sure he's like how you put desperate like for the chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wouldn't be difficult god you, you don't show up every day he's like oh can i have a go and you're so like lando chill yeah, out like, oh, can't, can't, stop telling everyone we're your friend right can't get rid of the guy <laughs> oh dear i hope oh, he listens I, would it be amazing if he listens and he just gets us <laughs> like, <laughs> like I mean, I, gets us as in like gets us back yeah, yeah. It, well it'd probably just involve like i would have actually done that until chris called me a child so no. <laughs> yeah 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 that's the thing oh so it's um, my fault great it's my right. fault absolutely um, meter at this point <laughs> yeah we're just talking about ourselves um, yeah. so let's continue that well that's true you've done it again <laughs> let's talk about ourselves some more um we have a little bit of an interesting back of the grid challenge i guess um <laughs> Provided it turns up on time, which it should hopefully do, I've ordered a giant back-of-the-grid flag to take to Silverstone with us this weekend. So we're basically putting out a challenge of take a photo of the flag when you see it either on TV because we've stuck it through a fence (laughs) or um, if you see it at the circuit because you're there, take a picture of it and get it on social media with the hashtag back-of-the-grid. And anyone that's done that over the course of the weekend will pick out a lucky winner to... uh, to get some back of the grid or British GP goodies at the end of the weekend. Yeah. If you're looking for a storyline there, it's um, who will win the hashtag bot G award for luckiest fan. <laughs> Love a hashtag, don't you? Yeah. Luckiest fan. Yeah. <laughs> it could it could be you, listener. Uh, it could be. You won't be able to miss it. It's, it's going to be enormous and purple. So it should and stand like out. And four metres in the air as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you do see a giant purple flag, come and say hello and we'll... Be nice and say hello back. It'd be nice to meet yeah. some of you. Yeah, definitely. Other than flags to watch, drivers to watch, gentlemen, what are we going for this week here? Drivers well, to since watch. we're segueing like absolute Segway riders. Um... Segwaying like George Russell takes a corner. Smooth. <laughs> Buttery smooth. I forget you said that. Uh... <laughs> Buttery smooth. <laughs> My, I was thinking about this before we... Um, started recording and i 
mine is actually Lando Norris and my team is McLaren as well before we get even get into team. Um Lando obviously had a blinder at, um, at Austria and McLaren have been really, really on a big upturn in form. And I just, I really, really want to see it continue. I really want to see if like the, the dream is alive. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're, they're my two. My driver, actually, we've not mentioned him, I don't think once this podcast, but I think I'm going to go for Valtteri Bottas because he desperately needs to spoil Hamilton's party this weekend. He's, mm. after a really good start to the season, he's slipping back now and he yeah, just desperately needs a win. Um, so, yeah, I think if he can spoil Lewis's party at his home race, that would be a massive like psychological advantage as well as the points advantage for him. And I think he really needs it. Would you say Mercedes are your team or would you pick somebody else? For no, that's that's boring. Um, <laughs> team to watch? I'm kind of with Stu on McLaren. Like, I really want to see them repeating that success and being up there. Well, Stu has exactly the same opinion as me. So <laughs> to be different... I'm going to throw Leclerc into the mix and basically say that I was impressed with the form that he had in Austria. Unlucky to have not won the race, like losing it in the final couple of laps. So I'd be interested to see where both he and the Ferrari are come Saturday when, you know, one lap pace really matters, which he seemed to be king of in Austria. So, yeah. I want to point out at this point, I do want to point out that I think it, I genuinely do think it has closed up a bit. I don't think the Mercedes advantage is as big as it was a few races ago. I'd agree with you. I think that the Ferrari, I, I think that the, the whole revelation that they had with the wind tunnel and certain things not lining up with what was happening on track. If you remember, I think it was, I don't think it was pre-Austria. It might have been, a couple of weeks before that, we it sort of surfaced in the news. But uh, since that, I feel like Ferrari have started taking some some strides towards catching Mercedes. So maybe it is making a difference that they do understand certain things on the car better and they're able to focus some of the upgrades that, like, sort of, I guess, filter out what they were doing because they didn't understand something before and yeah. were like they know that that's like a wrong route to go down now and they know where to focus the updates of the car. And yeah. Maybe just, that's what's helping make a significant getting difference. Getting it working, isn't it? Getting it work, yeah. getting the thing working properly. That's that's where they really, really need to focus. They've got the car. We know they've got the car. Um, all the ingredients are there. They've got the drivers. They've got the team. They've got the personnel within the team to, to, to win races. They just need to remember how to win races. That's yeah. the thing. Hmm. They just need to understand and, how to set it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and once they, I think, I really do think, once they get their head around it and it looks like they might be starting to, then we might be in for a bit of a battle for the remainder of this season. And it, it might not be as clean cut as we, we all think it is at this point in the season. Do you know Hopefully what? I'd not. wholeheartedly welcome that at the yeah, moment. Yeah, definitely. Very much. I so. also wonder how much them losing that race in Bahrain and the manner in which they lost it, how much that just kind of rattled them a little bit. Like, I, mm. I I really think if they had got that win, it would have been a very different season from that point onwards. Like, to lose a race in that manner must kind of 
shake your confidence and make you second guess yourself a little bit, even if you don't sort of see it happening like subconsciously. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think we. I think it might have been quite a different season so far had that win stuck. Yeah, possibly so. It's it's it's, part, it's definitely possible, but we um, can never know. Yeah, we will never know unless we someone invents a machine that can take us to another dimension where Ferrari are better than Mercedes. <laughs> we'll never know. Do we want to do a catering truck? Do we want to educate people on British cuisine? That's See, the I, next question. I do want to do a catering truck. I, I mean, I'll be honest. We started this as a feature because someone wrote in about it and it made us laugh. And <laughs> it it's kind of got it's got away from us a little bit. It's just kind of become a thing we quickly insert because we feel like we should. But I've actually found an F1 related thing this week, so I'm actually happy to be doing the catering truck. Is um, it awful related? That's of course it's awful related, oh. Tom. Oh, oh no. Of so course it's gross. This is so gross. <laughs> um however, the delicacy you can try uh in in England uh, this weekend is called brawn. <laughs> is it something to do with prawns prawn? but in like a prawn uh, No, wait, brawn. Prawns, <laughs> oh, brawn. prawns in a brawn shaped container. Or brown coloured container. <laughs> it's That's... not. It's um. What? It's it's. Stu's <laughs> just fallen to pieces. I've blown Stu's mind. <laughs> is it pieces of the car like, from 2009? Yeah, that's literally what I'm thinking about. Like, <laughs> no. is it Ross? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is the delicious delicacy called brawn, which is um, it's essentially a kind of jellied <laughs> meat terrine kind of thing. Um, usually made from kind of head meat from a cow or a pig oh. or something. What? In a nice jelly, but it's called brawn, so, it, so it's F one related. You know I brought like, it back around. You say you say head meat like it's a gross thing, but I I had ox cheek um, nuggets the other day, uh, uh, um, um, an Asian food place, and they were delicious. And that's head meat. It is. It's I, I, meat I, from the head. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very specific part of the head. Whereas I think this is just anything you can get your hands on. Oh, is it? Is can, it can I just point out? I googled brawn food to see what it was, and the first thing that comes up is a Wikipedia article called head cheese. Oh, that's what it's also called. It's also known as head cheese. Head cheese, but it's called brawn in the UK. I think okay. we just need. We need to really need to move this on. I was, do you know what? I was, yeah. re- I was really pleased myself this week because I'd found something loosely F1 related for this, and you two have just you're just not interested. Absolutely, yes. you've gone too far Sounds now. You've just gone too completely far. uninterested. <laughs> we might not even be able to put that in. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's bad, but it's not that. We've had bad. worse. <laughs> Oh dear! Right, let's do some predictions instead. Yeah, then. please. Yeah, let's. Um, we've kind of all already shown our hand a little bit with predictions. I feel, but we might be feeling crazy. Um, so let's start with fastest in Q three, and let's start with Stu this week. Oh, thanks. Um, Last year it was Lewis Hamilton, and this year it will be Lewis Hamilton. It will be. Stu is that confident? Yeah, of course. Ham. Um, I will go next. And it's, it's Lewis Hamilton, isn't it? Tom. Isn't it, Tom? Uh, this is going to be the most boring week of predictions I think we've had ever. Oh, yeah, right. It's Hamilton. Uh, yeah. It's, um, I'm not sacrificing points just for difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry right. to say. You, you face face, face <laughs> Um As the winner, last year the winner was Sebastian Vettel. Um, it, the last, it was kind of the last 10 laps or so, wasn't it? It, tur- it went from Bottas, Vettel... Hamilton, Raikkonen into Bottas just being passed by everyone and Vettel yeah. uh, taking the win with a few laps to go. 
Um, I'll go first this time. It's a double ham week. <laughs> it's a double mm. ham week. Tom, I'm, I'm unfortunately doing the same thing. And I almost am not even going to ask Stu. I'm just going to write down. No, don't, thing. don't. Stop, <gasps> stop, 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 stop. Don't Ooh. do that. Oh. Um, I am going to go Bottas for the win. You absolute wild card. Well, it would be boring, and I've got a little bit of an advantage over you two, so I can, I can afford to take a couple of risks. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Um, let's move to first DNF. Last year it was Brendan Hartley, Won't which is not year. much use to you right now. No, well, I'm trying to think flowchart-wise. Um, <laughs> the flowchart would dictate it's a British driver, and I don't want it to be, no. realistically. So I'm going to go British team, but non-British driver, and say Science and a McLaren. Carlos Science. Right in the middle of that you? midfield. First DNF. Um, I'm tempted to say Lewis Hamilton, but I just can't do that. I can't. Uh, <laughs> and that's one um, way for Bottas to win. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh. God, it's a tricky one this week. Uh, I'm going to go... The Haases have been having absolute mares, but they've not actually been retiring. They've just been really slow. It's yeah. a bit like the Williams predicament, yeah, they're, isn't they're it? Sort of they're, in like the, they're in the no-man's land between <laughs> the, the back DNF of the grid and, and Williams. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, I guess you'd have to go for like an Alpha or a... Or a Renault, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say Nico Hulkenberg. The Hulk. I'm going to go for Perez. And honestly, I have no mm. reason why. I'm just going for Perez. So that's just a midfield cluster waiting to Basically, there, yeah. isn't it? It's a cluster. All three of us. Of Can you imagine cars. if those three come together? I'm always excited for things like <laughs> yeah. that. Like all three of them come together and we're like, oh. Because you know that's going to happen now. Oh, God, <laughs> now yeah. that we're all together. <laughs> So. Um, Stu, can I have your number of finishes, please? Only f- 15 in Britain last year. 20, though, in Austria last race. Yeah. Which, One um, time I don't go mad and say it, everyone. I mean, <laughs> obviously, everyone who listens to this knows that my go-to is 16. So I'm going to go 16. I'm That's actually going to go 16, yeah. You tend to get retirements at Silverstone. So I think I might actually go for my go-to and say 17. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes things difficult for me. I either copy one of you or go with something that I don't have faith in. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with 15. Ooh. 15. Wow. Um, I mean, other than that Bottas call from Stu, this is a the, one of the most by the book set of predictions yeah. had in yeah, a long time. It has to be. You have to be it by the book these be. days in predictions. It's not like the old days when you could just sort of wing three sheets to the wind, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be serious oh, about it these days. I'm concerned random. who the driver is with him doing that. Yeah, who's the random driver? Well, oh, I feel God, like nobody's. Isn't it? I think there's oh, a very what? good chance oh. that no one's going to get zero points this week points because it's Robert Kubica. <laughs> oh, yes. Watch him finish 16th or something now. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Kubica will finish... It. Oh, actually, retirements, though. That's it's the not problem, yeah, isn't it? Retirements is the problem here. He's going to be last on the road, but he's probably right. not going to be 20th. 
I'm, okay, I'm going to so, solve the dilemma here, and I'm going to go last on the road for me, which would be 15th. Yeah, and I'm going to do the same, which is 16th. We kind of <laughs> have to, don't we? It's, so it's, I'm going to go oh, 17th. Oh, you know, <laughs> it actually hurt. That hurts. That's a, that's, that's a surprisingly tricky one. That's actually kind of heartbreaking. Well, that we've all just immediately gone, he'll be last on the road. Yeah. Yeah. He was more I the mean, car than it is him. I, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where he's it, been basically every race as well. Yeah, we, we know that the car's going to be down there and we know that Russell is outperforming him at the minute. So if you're going to suggest anywhere, it probably would be yeah. last. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm gonna be really interested to see the results of predictions this week. I want to know what everyone else is going to... Yeah, I'm feeling a, a high-scoring week. This. Not necessarily high-scoring from us because we never are, but in general, I'm feeling <laughs> a high-scoring week. I you know something know. mad's going to happen between now and quality that's just going to mess up what we've done. Like Mercedes come together in turn one or something. <laughs> yeah, or like an engine blows yeah. right before the end of FP3 or something. The messed up thing is like we're not going to really have like a real handle on what's going on all weekend because we're going to actually be there. <laughs> we're not yeah. going to have like yeah. much access to social media and all that kind of <laughs> thing and the, the TV. So <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Uh, if you want to take part, as always, uh, just go to backofthegrid.com where you can sign up for free if you haven't already and you can enter your predictions. You've got until the start of qualifying to enter so you can have the advantage of watching practice. Uh, as always, there'll be a prize if anyone gets five out of five, which I would say is entirely possible this week. So good luck and get involved. Uh, shall we finish with some inbox? Let's. Yeah, let's. Okay, you give me a long one, I see, guys. Thanks for that. <clears throat> you haven't said you haven't done much this episode, so you can start. No, that's true. Actually, I've just I've just posed weird questions and uh, <laughs> done some research. Um, <laughs> the first inbox is from Oliver Abrahamson. One of the biggest problems with F one is that the cars can't follow each other. Right? I've listened to the Beyond the Grid episode with Gordon Murray, and it, that got me thinking. By the way, that is a great episode of Beyond the Grid. I'm not one for like bigging up other podcasts. <laughs> but, <laughs> That is a. If you're going to listen to any of the Beyond the Grids, listen to that one because it's really good. That is on my podcast to listen to list. Yeah, mate, get it, get it down your neck tomorrow. It's so so good. (laughs) Um, He invented the fan car. Isn't that a solution to the issue of our time? Ooh. Um, As I understand it, fan cars are less sensitive to dirty air, and they could still generate similar amounts of downforce, even if they'd simplify the wings. I haven't heard anyone mention it as a suggestion for 2021. So what are the pros and cons? What are your thoughts? Um, one of the first cons that spring to mind is that it's they do spit a lot of crap out of the back of them fan cars. Yeah, that was one of the main complaints at the time, wasn't it, for why other teams didn't like it, other than the fact that it was just better than their car. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the reasons they cited was getting bits spat at them from the back of the other car. I think, I think the main reason they wouldn't go for them these days is that the fan, fan cars essentially are there to suck the car to the ground and essentially a ground effect thing, aren't they? So yeah, the potential cornering speed you could get with a fan car would be colossal these days um so i think just from a safety point of view i just don't think the safety is there and the safety in circuits as well because runoff and tie walls and stuff at circuits are designed knowing that cars are going to be coming through that corner at in an approximate speed range and those speeds with fan cars would be so much higher 
they wouldn't be able to use a lot of tracks on the calendar, I don't think, for safety points of view. Um, well, I mean, they'd be wearing G-suits. That you'd have drivers losing consciousness. That's the thing, yeah. You get into crazy <laughs> territory with cars yeah. like that. And, and um, uh, an interesting, like, if, if you're wondering what we're talking about with a fan car and you're out there in the world and you're listening, go into your airing cupboard or wherever you keep your hoover, get your hoover <laughs> out and switch it on and put the nozzle against the palm of your hand and then take the nozzle off your hand. And the, a fan car is essentially that. It sucks the, it, picture the nozzle as the car and your hand as the road. And that is what a fan car does it sucks it's literally sucking the air from underneath from the gap between the car and the road away so that it sucks the car the air pull literally pulls the car down into the road that's the easiest way of putting it it's a very sure. practical experiment where i describe yeah yeah like I, you know me i like i like to give <laughs> our audience practical experiments and that's um <laughs> that's that's a good one to try yeah yeah I think the other big problem as well with fan cars is, yes, it would allow cars to probably get closer together, but because the cornering speeds are so much higher, there's a lot less low speed and a lot less in terms of braking zone. So actually, I don't think the racing would be great with fan cars anyway. That's that's a fair point, actually, because like you say, the decelerations in theory are going to be less because you can take the corner at a much higher speed due to the differences. Yeah, I think... As much as you're making the cars be able to follow, like you say, you're taking away the overtaking opportunity in a lot of scenarios. Mm. The other thing is just the tires. Who can well. get? Yeah, the tires. They'd have to go through some immense stress to be able have, to deal with that. I have seen it suggested that to counteract that, you could change the rules so that brakes are much smaller to kind of artificially elongate the braking distances. But then again, that's mm. a safety thing because do yeah. you want cars that are going quicker than ever that can't slow down as fast as no. normal? And if the other thing is, if if one of those fans like has any issues, that's it's pretty much your race done at that point, isn't it? When they, it's yeah. so key for that component, like it's the equivalent of an engine going, like you or a gearbox or something. It's just another thing to add to that list of things that would end a race if they stopped working. But here's a here's another thing that would end your race: um, killing your driver because you've got so <laughs> well, much yeah. downforce with your. With your fan, that if that fan dies and you throw it, you you don't know the yeah. fan's gone yet, and you throw it into a corner and you don't have that same level of downforce, you're probably going so fast yeah. that you you, ooh, it's, they'd yeah. be very scary don't, cars. Don't, they'd be horrible cars. There's a number of reasons that it was <laughs> banned when it was banned in the seventies, I guess. Yeah, and we're going through most of them now. <laughs> it's it's it's, so. it's kind of a okay, uh, one. It's like flying close to the two. Uh, can't speak. It's like flying too close to the sun. You can make a mm. car like so good in such a small window that if something fails on it, then yeah. it's going to cause more problems than it solves. In a way, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely, totally. Like it's it's one of those things that it's it's the beauty of Formula One as a sport because what it does is it pushes like aerodynamicists and engineers to these levels of what can we do that's not a rule-breaking thing but somehow circumvents them to get this huge advantage. And that's like a prime example of of that exact kind of engineering and, and sort of thought process is what comes out of it. And yeah, fair enough, it might get shut down straight away. Um, the double diffuser was another good one where yeah. it was, you know, it was ingenious at the time and it was just that eventually all the teams managed to catch up and copy it. And then after that, it was outlawed and stuff like that. So yeah. 
it's actually a very, the double very, diffuser is actually a very very similar principle yeah incidentally it, to the mm, uh, to it the was legal cam. at the time and it it was exactly trying to do the same sort of job of create that ground effect to pull the car to the road rather than pushing it from above which yeah it's this is this is this bit that will always amaze me about F1 as as much as we sometimes complain about the racing being a bit processional and stuff like that when it happens the thing that will always intrigue me about this sport as a whole and similar motorsports is kind of the science and the technology behind what makes the cars as powerful and as fast as they actually are because yeah. that's that's as interesting to me as the racing which I guess is maybe a bit of a nerdy way to look at things. <laughs> no, I totally agree. It's a huge component for me, I think. So in answer to the question, yes, you could get a car to generate similar amounts of downforce using the fan. And yes, it would make them less sensitive to the car ahead. But the cost would be yeah. such that you're putting drivers in such danger that it, I think overall it wouldn't be worth it. No, agreed. I'd, I'd agree with that totally. Yeah. Um, next one, uh, Sam Van Houten says, loving the podcast, it's now part of my pre and post race routines, keep up the work, oh thank hmm. you very much Sam um, uh, after Max's monster drive in Austria, I have read some articles that said he had different front wing to Gasly and apparently Adrian Newey hinted on a few other secret upgrades on the Red Bull have you guys got any clue what any of those might have been, if any, and follows up by as well saying uh, if there have been any successful upgrades to the Red Bull, do you think it can put up a fight and start to annoy the red and silver cars again mm, that's news to me that i believe helmet marco did confirm that the two drivers were running different front wings in the race i think the reason though was it was a very very new front wing and they didn't have many of them um and gasly broke a couple across the weekend so by the time we got to the race he didn't have yeah. any of the new ones left essentially i can believe i can totally believe that in austria because that's a r- yeah exactly killer yeah they were, they were all like weren't they straw broke one every single session didn't it <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> um yeah so there's no kind of favoritism or whatever going on within the team it was purely just they only had a limited number and they ran out and because gasly had broken a bunch of them he didn't have any left and max did that's basically all it was see that makes sense i can totally go yeah. with that on the note of them being able to catch up with the red and silvers, I think that, yes, they are maybe making gains and improving performance, but not enough to properly hassle them yet. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I don't think that they're quite in a position to regularly hassle the Ferrari yeah. or the Mercedes. I think it's a it's kind of a, a four-car race up front, with them nipping at the heels, ready to pick up any slight scraps they can get. And, you know, if the racing's close and they're holding each other up ahead, someone like Max is always going to be sniffing around to try and take advantage of that for sure. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that, like, out and out, they've got it to properly harass them and maybe go for an out and out grid. I do think we'll see another win or two for Max this season. Next question from Tim Fostvet. Do you think Daniel has the opportunity to change teams unless Renault achieves the goals they want and can he then go to Ferrari? Ooh, that's a good question. I assume Daniel in that context being Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think this comes off the back of a, an article that I saw this week saying that the silly season of Daniel going to Ferrari is not that far-fetched, allegedly. 
because well, of a clause in his contract, apparently. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. It's almost certain that he'll have some kind of performance clause in his contract. Um, Verstappen supposedly also has some kind of performance clause in his contract, even though he's technically tied to Red Bull for the next four years or whatever it is. Yeah, I believe the one for Danny Rick is along the lines of if Ferrari or Mercedes were to approach him, he has right of refusal over the team. Whether that's true, this could all just be yeah. speculation and people throwing no, rumours around. But that, that was that. the thing that surfaced. That. Um, so, yeah, if he's obviously had something like that written in and, for example, Seb just decides he has had enough because yeah. of the way that the last couple of seasons have gone for him, realistically, who might Ferrari go to if he is an option? Then if I... he's got that, that first refusal, then... Would you take I, it if you were him, maybe? Yeah, I well, this is the, where this comes from is that I heard that um, Sebastian Vettel spent quite a lot of time in the Red Bull Center at the Austrian Grand Prix. Yeah, so, I've also seen these rumors rumbling around that him so, returning there is not entirely out of the question. I don't think it's at all out of the question. I, I'd, and I'd love to see him toe to toe with Max Verstappen. I think that would be a really exciting prospect. I'm... Would they? Would Red Bull do that, though? Because there's yeah. also been talk this last week that Alonso has been chatting to Ferrari and to Red Bull. <laughs> and I just don't think I can see Red Bull... You know, As much as it sucks that they've only really got one driver performing right now, they kind of want that up to a point because every time Red Bull have had two performing drivers in the past it's not gone great for them you know what i've just seen through it i've just seen through it It, this is um this is a popular motorsport website stirring the pot trying to get people talking about their articles and trying to get um you know a bit silly of a season. Classic silly season. Quite quite likely. Like people will make something out of the smallest thing when it comes to this part of the season. Like as the summer period starts and teams are starting to look ahead to the next season and like whose contracts are running out and things like that. It starts like June, July time every year, doesn't it? So yeah. yeah. We're about, it's all about them clicks, guys. It's all about them yeah. clicks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've also had McLaren in the last couple of weeks make a point of saying that Norris and Signs are their future and they have absolutely no plans to change their driver lineup, which it's a weird thing for them to feel the need to come out and officially say unless there's something rumbling under the surface. I mean, obviously, mm. now things are looking up. Is Alonso knocking on Zach Brown's door again? Or is that kind of... Could we read into that that Alonso might be knocking on other doors? Is Alonso ever going to come back? It's There's a lot of potential. And then, of course, you've got Ocon waiting in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. Which... He, I think he needs to make a big decision of whether he sticks with Mercedes, who have, let's face it, failed to find him a spot on the grid this year and are going to struggle next year, or does he cut those ties, which, you know, if those ties went well, it would potentially land him a, a seat in the big team one day. Mm. I think given... This begs the question, sort of, who who in Formula 2 do you see as a Formula 1 driver at the moment? Anyone? <sighs> Um, that's ready now. 
that that could win the championship this season and be in a Formula One team next year. Who's ready now? Yeah, I guess. I would say I don't know Latifi and De- has DeVries missed Le- his chance. Le- Latifi's probably one of the closest because of his ties to being sat in that Williams car and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and he's had experience with Force India when they were Force India. I think I want to say possibly. Yeah, I um, believe he did. Callum Illet. Or is it Illet or is it Islet? I can never remember. Uh, Islet. Islet. Callum Islet is part of the Ferrari program. Um, and he's in that Sauber Junior team that they've got. So he has potential, but I don't think he's ready yet. Luca Giotto as well. I don't know. There's, nah, like I said, there's, think... a, there's a few there that I just don't think are quite ready. No. Right. Okay. So. I say probably Latifi is the closest, isn't he? Yeah, in, in I think so. Yeah, Nick DeFries actually. That's Nick my DeFries. final shout. Maybe Zoo as well. Zoo's a bit of a, of a bit of a prospect. He's done. He's had a good season. He is, so but I yeah. feel like he needs another season. He Same with Hubert. I think Hubert has got a good chance of making it to F one, but not next year. But not next yeah. year, right? Okay. So, of the options that Formula One teams have, Latifi. Well, in terms of Latifi, when you compare him to Ocon. Obviously, you're going to go Ocon, aren't you? All day long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, initially, yeah. You take, you take um, Ocon. And if Alonso's knocking the door of Formula One teams, I can think of at least three Formula One teams who would bite your hand off for Fernando Alonso to be driving for him. Oh, of yeah. course, yeah. Um, so I don't really see any F2. I, I've kind of made this narrative up <laughs> just as I've been going <laughs> along, but like, I don't see how the feeder series is the state of Formula One at the moment and the state of the driver market at the moment, it feels a bit like the feeder series is kind of like not really doing anything for it. I don't know if it's that, but we've, we've got three graduates in the, in here at the minute. Yeah. We've we've had a bumper season. Yeah. We've got Alban Norris and Russell all graduated from last season. Arguably we're the best three in that series as well. Well, they were top three. Um, Yeah. Like, there's drivers like Nick DeFries that was there as well. Uh, Set a camera, I think, was in it last year. Yeah. So the, Jack Aitken as well. Like, there's there's a few other drivers there that are on the cusp of being ready, and all those drivers have ties to a Formula One team in some way or another. Like mm. Jack Aitken's with Renault, DeFries, as far as I know, he's still with McLaren. Latif is tied to Williams in certain ways. So they've all got like prospects, but all those teams are already fairly set on the driver lineup for the next year or so. Um, so in a way, I feel a little bit sorry for this year's F2 champion because yeah. I don't know if there'll be a space for them. And if there is, it's possibly not going to be with a team that their parent team is going to allow them to associate with for yeah. one yeah. of the better terms. Well, this is it. Like Maybe they're going to end up doing a year in Super Formula. And, uh... Yeah not doing anything when they eventually do get to Formula 1. Or being sat as a reserve driver doing FP1s or something like, a little like Latifi is at the minute, but obviously at least he's still in F2 at the same time at the minute. Well, when we get to some break in a few races time, I think we are definitely this year again going to do predict next year's grid during the summer break. So (laughs) It's going to be a tough one this year, that. It's going to be a very tough one this year. I'm quite excited to do it, though. So just keep all that in mind and we'll revisit it in a few weeks' time. I suppose we should move on from that. That that took us a lot longer to get through, I think. Just Did we answer that? Do we think Daniel Ricciardo has the opportunity to go to Ferrari? Yes or no? I think so. 
I, spe- yeah, I think if Vettel like, disappears, I think he's got to be top of the shopping list for them. Yeah, I yeah. can see Ferrari taking him and I can see him wanting to go. So, yes, if the seat's there, I think he has the opportunity to take the seat. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I would love to see Daniel Ricciardo at Ferrari as well. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah, awesome. He's good in red. Yeah, he would. <laughs> um, the next one uh, is Danielle Baker. She says, I'm currently watching my way through Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's awesome. I've just watched the Haas episode and I'm wondering how on earth Grosjean still has a place at the team given how frustrated Steiner was getting with him when he kept crashing last season. You say Steiner, you mean Malcolm Tucker. (laughs) It's a reference that not many people outside. (laughs) It's all right, it's fine. They'll research it. (laughs) And they'll be glad they did. (laughs) And they'll be so glad they did. Um... How is how on earth is Grosjean still at Haas? That's a good question, isn't it? I think this is the third year we've done this podcast, and I think basically from the start we've all been saying this must be Grosjean's last season. I can't see Grosjean having a seat next year, and he just keeps somehow still still keeping it. Although that being said, I do think this is Grosjean's last season in F one this year. I think if he doesn't pick up, like the reason he's still in that team is because he picked it up towards the end of last season. Yeah, yeah, and maybe he'll do that again. Who knows? Maybe he will, but will it be enough? I don't think so. I think as well, just to point out specifically about the drive to survive thing is it is very expertly cut and put together to heighten as <laughs> yeah. much drama out of it as possible. So They've got a bit of creative license, haven't they? With, yeah. Uh, like, with narrative. Sure. I don't think things were in different scenarios, not just with the Grosjean thing, but with other things. I don't think things were quite as head-to-head and, and stuff as that always makes it seem. Not to say that that's not thing that's happening because obviously drivers are going head to head and there is that intense rivalry between Grosjean and Magnussen because you're teammates and it's always the first person that you're compared to but um, yeah I don't I genuinely can't see Grosjean getting a new contract but who's there to replace him that Haas have got access to it would be the next question and that's possibly why he keeps his seat (laughs) well the problem Haas have got as well if they'd have dropped Grosjean last season I think (laughs) they'd have had drivers knocking at their door to drive that car whereas this season unless someone's desperate for a seat anywhere no one's going to be trying to move to Haas the way they're going currently aren't Mm, they well it's Formula 1 though it's a Formula 1 team they're going to have people who want to drive oh yeah of course all day long but uh, they're not going to have the obviously the the kind of pedigree <laughs> choice yeah. that they yeah. would have had otherwise. Um, yeah. uh, you know who who would they have had if they didn't have Grosjean Ferrucci? I think he was on their books for a while, wasn't he? He was, but I'm not sure he is anymore. Um, no. I've always said that Perez feels like a good fit there. Yeah, he well he didn't he drive with Magnus? Him and Magnussen were on the same seat. They were McLaren together, weren't they, for a while? Yes, they right? were for for one season, I think. Yeah, no, Magnussen basically replaced Perez when Perez. Yes, left. oh, was that, both, was that it? Was that it? They were both yeah. Button's teammate, weren't they? Yeah, yes, yes, they were. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Thanks for that. Yeah. I almost look like an absolute <laughs> fool. <there. laughs> uh, next one uh, is from Crash Team Racing is greater than Mario Kart. Fight me. Interesting name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the sport as a whole, despite the stagnation of this era, seems to be on the upswing, I feel. Um, though, with that being said, it does seem like Bernie Eccleston can't keep himself from <laughs> saying horrid garbage periodically, like some kind of geriatric spectre looming over the sport. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like the ownership group hasn't 
been firm enough, should they have gone further in terms of distancing itself from Eccleston? Is him saying things about Putin and Europe and democracy uh, damaging to the sport's reputation, or does this all not matter and it's just another in a long line of bewildering statements from an old man? (laughs) Not a fan, then. To be honest, Mm. I feel like Liberty have trod that line kind of at the best point that like Eccleston was so ingrained in F1 and had like contacts with so many people to completely cut him out, I think would have just made their lives much more difficult, probably upset a bunch of people who, you know, knew him well and whatever. I think they've kind of just given him, they've kept him around enough, but also held enough distance to kind of not be associated with mad stuff he may come out with. I think the other thing with it as well is that if he does come out with something that's a bit, oh no, what's he saying? I'm not in any way associating him with F1 anymore, if I'm totally honest. No, like, it's true. It's yeah, just some yeah. some guy who I know from F1, but he's got nothing to do with it anymore. And I know that. It, the, I guess the problem is if sort of people writing the headlines are writing the headline of ex-F1 owner Eccleston says this, they're the ones that have tied the two together, I guess. And yeah. maybe it's that that's the problem, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, let him do what he wants. He's not. Look, he's got no control over the sport anymore, has he? So. Well, d- yeah, but the thing is, like, everyone knows Bernie Eccleston and Formula 1 are always going to be intrinsically linked together uh, until mm. for, the, for, for the rest of time, he will. his name will resonate like when you say it in the world of Formula One, like everyone knows who he is. He has played such a huge role in making Formula One what it is today. Of course, yeah. We would not have the sport that we love and enjoy so much if it wasn't for that man. That is um, true. And yeah. I, I'm convinced of that. I believe that. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I agree oh, with absolutely. you. I'm not, I'm not trying to take that away from him. No, 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 I'm I know, I know you're not. Um, yeah. Having said that, I, f- I absolutely back Liberty Media as well. I think Liberty yeah. have, have done an amazing job so far in what they've done. I mean, come on, you know, like they, they, I said a couple of episodes ago, the content that we're getting that we, that we never would have even, could have even hoped to have get before, yeah. before they took over. Um, mm, completely. We get such such more insight now, so much more connection with the sport for the fans, and you know it's so much more engaging now than it has been in the past, and it's just getting better and better and better. Um, I can only say positive things about about um, Liberty at the moment. Bernie, like Bernie's Bernie, and yeah, he always will be. <laughs> yeah, he always basically, will be. he's never going to um, change, is he? Yeah, it was yeah, the same twenty years ago, and it was the same in 20 years if he's still yeah. around. And I will say the great thing about it is it's always fun to talk about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I was just looking at Bernie's um, Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah. And he, he entered one race as a driver. It was the 1958 Monaco Grand Prix, which he didn't qualify for. But in that race, there were, let me have a quick count. It was 31 different drivers attempted to qualify for the 1958 Monaco Grand Prix, of which... I think it's about 18 actually qualified and started the race and then six of them actually finished it. Wow. Wow. What a mad era. Like you forget there was a F1 where you just have, well, 30 cars in this case, turn up and try to qualify and only a handful of them would actually make it onto yeah. the grid. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy times. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that was a, that was a weird 
tangentially went down, but yeah. it was a little, little bit interesting. Um, next, Stephen Barlow says, can Lewis get another win at Silverstone and do we think McLaren will get on a step this year? Also, a shout out to Woodlands Campsite and the Stumble Village. <laughs> Stephen obviously going to be at the Grand Prix as well this weekend. <laughs> McLaren on a step is, yes, it's the dream, but will it happen? No. <laughs> it will take some very weird circumstances. It, it might. It I, might not... happen. It might happen. Come on, stranger things if, have happened. If something goes weird at the pointy end, they are the team best place to pick up the pieces if something goes wild for the top three teams, but you do need three separate teams to have issues with yeah. the way one this or more of their drivers. Is now, the way this circuit is now, as they go through, what is it? Is it Farm, farm Curves the first corner now, isn't it? So yeah, as, as, they, as they go through there into that, that complex and they all bunch up and tighten up, we saw what happened in um, uh, Paul Ricard last year when when the front runners all sort of got bunched together and started sort of rubbing elbows. It happened at Silverstone last year again as well with Raikkonen and Hamilton. Absolutely anything can happen in a race. There's and, th- and when McLaren are in the form they're in at the moment, they are absolutely there to pick up the spoils if it does. Yeah, they need people to retire though. They like people being squeezed out and spinning and stuff, Lewis proved last year that that's not enough to stop a car like the Mercedes. It just drive back through the field and overtake them again. Like they'd never Mm -hmm. hold on to it. I think what they need is they need people kind of properly coming together. But you are right in the respect that, you know, if there's some argy-bargy between Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull at any point in the race or, you know, mechanical issues, stuff like that, they are the team that will pick it up. And you could see one of those classic Perez-style sneaky third-place podiums <laughs> or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, w- he was notorious at one point, wasn't he, for he was the man that cleaned yeah. up if, if things that went wrong. The burglar. The, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> fing- fingers crossed. Like I'd, I'd absolutely love it to happen. I just don't think it will, because I think that there's too much going on ahead of him, like six cars ahead of him. For them to beat four of them is a task in itself. So I think it's just maybe yeah. just a bit too far. <laughs> Although at Silverstone, I mean, for our sake, I hope not. But if we get one of the sort of torrential rainstorms that can happen there, all bets are off at that point. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Would seeing uh, Lando on the podium make up for you being rained on for two hours straight? <laughs> uh, yeah, because I've just bought an umbrella. Um, would... <laughs> would and also, they would start. They wouldn't start under the safety car unless it absolutely, really, really poured. They yeah. probably wouldn't start under the safety car. Like the last time we went, it rained for the start, and then like a few races later, they brought in the rule that oh, actually, we won't start under the safety car. It'll yeah, be that was a bit anticlimax, wasn't it? That? Oh man, I mean, I was on the toilet at the start of the race. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on on the note of like rain and would something like kind of get rid of that? The rain at Germany last year. I was not bothered in the slightest because of the ending to that race. Yeah, yeah, it's like, true. To, to have been there for that, like the adrenaline's just sort of through you, even as a spectator. From my point of view, it's like it's Im- immense to have been there to witness that, and I just wasn't bothered. <laughs> like I was just mm. stood in the absolute hammering rain. Not exactly. You weren't bothered until you tried to walk under a tunnel and almost drowned. <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't bothered until I had to walk four to miles just, to get yeah, out of the circuit. To <laughs> swim four miles to get out of the circuit. True, um, that made bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last one we've got time for this week um, comes from Katie, and Katie says, "Reckon next year would be a cool to organise a 
uh, hashtag bot G meetup. Um, I'd certainly like to come over to that. Enjoy the race. Um, well, look out for the uh, the purple flag, um, and then you might just get to <laughs> yeah. all meet up with us uh, that way. <laughs> Impromptu meet up under the big purple flag. I really yeah. hope this flag turns up now. If we've done all this build yeah, up, and oh then man, we're so screwed, UPS lose it or something. <laughs> I'll not name the courier service specifically, just in case. <laughs> if, if or maybe I will. If it doesn't I'll turn just, up, I'll name yeah. the shame. I'll, buy, I'll buy a purple towel, and we'll just somehow <laughs> tip the logo. Tip-ex, onto yeah, it. tipex the logo into it. Yeah, yeah, or, or emulsion it on or something. Make a stencil. <laughs> I genuinely we'll will do that. At this point, I will do that. I'm not even kidding. I'll buy a bed sheet from Ikea. You can definitely get a purple bed sheet from Ikea. Cut a flag out of it. Easy. Just, think, just Easy. thinking on my feet there. <laughs> if you do see this flag, whether it's like the one that Stu's made out of his bed sheets or whether it's the one that <laughs> that I've bought, then like, feel free to come say hello. Make sure you take those pictures of it and do the hashtag BOTG, back of the grid, bot G as Stu calls it. Yeah, so we see um, him. So we see him. Yeah, and then we will round them all up at the end of the weekend. And like we say, we will pull some lucky winner from Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter out of the hat and get in touch. So be sure to do that if you see it, especially if it's like on TV, just so I want to see if I can get my flag in the podium ceremony. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's my goal, is to get in the podium ceremony with the flag. (laughs) Matt, you'll be be running fast (laughs) from where we're going to be stood. If you I'll, see just like a flag going through the crowd and then security following it, you'll know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. <laughs> Tom's done a runner. <laughs> Men in it, suits it, chasing a man in a Kamoa hat. <laughs> <laughs> it is very likely that, that will happen. <laughs> now, if you would like to stay in touch with us on social, uh, just about the show in general or in order to enter said competition, let's call it, uh, you can do so by finding us on Twitter. We are back of the grid F1. We are on Facebook. Just search for Back of the Grid and give the page a like. And you can find us on Instagram at Back of the Grid. Uh, you can also go to backofthegrid.com where if you want to get in touch, there's a contact form and you can also register to do your predictions as we talked about earlier in the show. That is just about it for this week's episode, uh, which rounds us off nicely. So we are off to go prepare for a weekend in Silverstone, hopefully not doused in rain. <laughs> and we'll be back next week if you would join us kindly for the review of the race. So that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from us. See you in Silverstone. Bye. Bye. So thank you all. I just want you to say bye and I don't know how to do it. (laughs) You were so close to an absolutely flawless ending. I know it so well. Yeah. Yeah. I just reached a point where this room got so warm that I thought I was going to (laughs) die. Yeah, it's a bit bit clammy this evening. And my brain was melting. (laughs) Absolute classic back of the grid ending.